What is up, you guys? It's a Monday. It's a Monday at 5 p.m. And I'm recording this intro with Crunch, my dog nearby, a glass of cold Sauvignon Blanc, which just sounded so refreshing. I'm turning into this like wine person at night where I just feel like drinking a glass of wine. I'm not even a big drinker at all. Sometimes I'll go months without drinking. It just seems like delicious and the right thing to do. So I'm doing it. And then I have a a caprese toast and it's everything is so good recording this intro i need to like pamper myself with delicious things every time that i record actually this is a very fitting intro unplanned completely but a fitting intro for today's guest who is a food network veteran and who used to work on some big shows that you will listen to this and you've probably heard of them before but today on the podcast we have ronnie chima of chima's travels and her entire story is just fascinating. I think you guys are going to be blown away by her life experiences that she's had and how the twists and turns of her career have brought her to do what she's really super passionate about doing, which is helping people see the world and see amazing parts of the world. So as always, I really think you're going to love today's episode. You're definitely going to love Ronnie's enthusiasm. She is just a ball of energy. I love it. And her story is just one of a kind. We really haven't had a story like this on the podcast before. But before we get to the podcast episode two, I do just want to do a quick shout out. If you have suggestions for people to have on the podcast, I am very light on the pitches that I get. Not light in terms of I get a lot of pitches, but I don't pursue a lot of pitches. But you guys are my listeners. You know which types of episodes you like best, even if you don't have someone that you'd like to recommend. I would love to hear maybe even just like suggestions for topics or basically what do you want to hear on episodes and how can I bring those to life? Because I make this podcast for you guys, the listeners. And so it's really important that I make sure that I'm catering to you guys as much as possible and that I'm giving you episodes that you guys love listening to. So without further ado, I will catch you guys on the flip side, but don't forget to reach out to me. I'll include some contact info in the show notes if you have some ideas. So this is what it's like being exactly being being at home doing these things. It's called life. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So you hear a dog, you'll hear a a lawnmower. I love it. It's great. I'm in suburbia. Okay, good. Love it. Okay. So my first question is a question that I feel like whenever I ask people on the podcast, I get really interesting answers. And that is what did you study when you were in school? (laughs) I studied graphic design at the School of Visual Arts, but I had went to SVA because I wanted to become an interior designer. And this was the second or third year that they had the interior design program. And it was my dream school, but that's what I was obsessed with. Then all of a sudden they started doing it. I'm like, it's meant to be. I manifested (laughs) it's meant to be. And I did six, I did half a semester and I, I was like, I'm too much of an artist. I can't do this. I feel so like, <laughs> like restrained. And my, uh, the chairperson of the department, uh, and I don't care. <laughs> she happens to come across. She was so difficult, so challenging. I tend to butt heads a lot with authority figures in general. <laughs> so yeah, after the the that those first six months. It was, I I went into my second semester, but it wasn't as hands-on as I thought it would be. We had to go straight to the computer and work on that. And 
I, it just felt like it wasn't for me. So then I went into, took a semester off, that semester off, went to the graphic design program because I knew that I loved art and design in general. So what feels the most general and broad, and it was graphic design. And then within that, of course, you're able to motion graphics, typography, poster design, food packaging, whatever it is. So I got to dabble in a lot. And what did I love the most? 3D design which was mm. part of graphic design, which is basically sculpting. You know, I'm not going to be able to even talk about <laughs> Jimmy DeResta was one of my teachers. That's it. And now he's like on that show, Make Making It, Make It with Amy Poehler and Nick. Oh, Ul- I saw the previews Ul- for that. Yeah. J- Jimmy DeResta was my uh, professor and I fell in love with this class and making stuff and making weird things. And that's what I loved. And I didn't know how to apply that. And then I got my dream job at the Food Network. So, and that wasn't involving any, like really using my hands. I had to be on the computer. So that's sort of what happened. I haven't I told it. I haven't mentioned D- Jimmy DeResta's name in so long I love or it. even talked about that class, but that's what I loved most about uh, graphic design. It really can be applied in a bajillion different ways. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. when did you realize that you wanted to pivot from interior design to then all of a sudden going to work? For the Food Network, like what happened in between (laughs) there? It was, well, I had always loved watching the Food Network and being in my parents' house, sitting on the sofa. Yeah. Favorite favorite show? I don't, all right. Favorite show would have to be Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Extra Virgin. No, Extra Virgin. That's what it's called. And I didn't work on that show. (laughs) None of the shows I worked on, I actually enjoyed. I... People, dope. Yeah. Totally amazing. But the actual shows, I I would get the scripts and the scripts are recipes. So uh, I'd get them and I'm like, I, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't do this. I wouldn't make this. Yeah. But with Extra Virgin, there's this like, it's Debbie Mazur, her, and then <laughs> her husband, very Italian, like farmer guy from Tuscany. Oh. It was just like this romantic thing and like she's so glamorous and she doesn't give a shit. She's like, I'm going to, I'm making this part up. She doesn't do this, but I'm going to butcher this pig right now in full evening gown wear, full makeup and like has a cleaver kind of thing. And that, I was just like, that is sexy. I want to be her. Wow. Yeah, just the life that they had. Looking at their house, because it started in L.A., and it sounds like a creep. I'm watching them in their house, you know? <laughs> and their recipes were great. They were simple. They, were, they weren't they were trying to make the home cook feel like an idiot. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like a lot of shows do that. Yeah. Oh, we're just going to assume this Midwestern mother or yes. father, they don't know how to open up a jar of pickles, or they don't know how to hold a knife. You know, they don't own a knife. I'm like, give people a break. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. We're not yeah. all idiots. <laughs> exactly. So I really liked that because it felt, that show felt natural and yeah. they were having fun too. And they were in love with each other, in love with their family, their house, their garden, their chickens. There was just so much love in it. So yeah. that was my favorite show. Love it. And then how yeah. did you, 
how are you able to get into Food Network? I'd imagine that a lot of people listening or a lot of people in college are like, holy shit, that's a dream job. Dude, totally manifested it. Wow. And if you don't believe in manifestation, I didn't either until this shit happened. <laughs> if you're like, oh, I don't believe in that woo-woo stuff, then you don't see those little things in life. The little things that there, there's evidence that there's some magic. I used to sit on the sofa at my parents' house, 14 years old, watching the Food Network with my parents because they were my dad mostly was obsessed with it and I remember watching an episode of 30 minute meals with Rachel Ray I saw the most hideous label for sweet relish it was hot pink and then it had of course the giant words sweet relish in like this weird boxy almost like if you try to look up a a Greek typeface on squirrel font or whatever (laughs) it's like one of those cheap ones like that's what it was and then it had swirls lime green swirls that were outlined in black so hot pink black bulky text and lime green swirls and my thought was I can do a way better job than that I knew I wanted to work at the Food Network didn't know how didn't think it was possible I didn't try because it was like oh what a dream that would be such a dream job and I'm watching it every day. I'm obsessed with the show. What a dream. SVA job board. I used to intern and then freelance at Spotco where I did mostly advertising and posters for Broadway shows. Hmm. I thought that was my dream. (laughs) Everything you think is your dream because it's fun and you have some creative freedom. But I saw on the job board at SVA that there was a position at the Food Network to design uh, the labels. They call it Greeking. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is a thing. Immediately immediately applied. I had my interview. It turns out, I believe he was the VP and executive producer of like almost all the shows that are filmed in Chelsea Market. He only hired SVA students. Oh, interesting. I don't know why. I'm just... (laughs) <laughs> and it was his uh, producer or assistant producer who I interviewed with. He interviewed me. He loved my portfolio. I started immediately. Wow. And that that's how that happened. My God, that's mm-hmm. so cool. And so were you just like, I'm going to do this forever? What was your thought when you started getting into it? Or did you yeah. realize maybe there could be a broader opportunity for me here? I loved it, but I had gotten the advice from the previous person, very limiting advice that said, this isn't really a design firm. I know you went to SVA, like I'm leaving to go to Warner Brothers and you don't want to use all your good stuff here. Hmm. I've never told anyone this story. (laughs) Whoa. Wow. Maybe if, let's see if his his name is Mark, insert blank. Mark hears this. My bad. But this is the (laughs) advice that I got from the previous person. Don't give all you got to this job because because it's not a real design job. If you put it here and then you try to use that work somewhere else, people are going to see it on TV. They're going to see it on their, you know, whatever. Just don't give them all you got. So I listened to her like an idiot <laughs> and did my design work and like the most powerful person at the food network. And I didn't have a boss. He was my boss because my position was the only position that existed. So there was nobody else. I worked with the culinary team. I didn't even work with the design department. Interesting. Maybe the maybe maybe the set design, but that's if they asked me for some bonus stuff for the but I worked with the culinary team. So he was the person I would report to, but he's too busy. He doesn't want to deal with me. He had to deal with me all the time and constantly because he's like, What is this? 
this? Like, this looks like grandma something pr- made these preserves and, like, it doesn't match the, the vibe of the show. And what did you try to do with this? And uh, he just was so unhappy. I kept thinking to myself, I don't belong here, even though it was my dream come true. Hmm. I don't belong here because I'm not good at this. I just graduated from college. I should, should is the killer word. I should be at a design company. I should be at an advertising firm. What am I doing here? I was almost embarrassed to tell people what I was doing. And I was the junior art director, but eventually I promoted myself because there was nobody else. So I was like, (laughs) I'm an art director. I've been here for five years. I'm an art director and that's it. And they were like, that works for us. That's totally fine. They're like, yeah, just take it. Just go ahead. It's totally fine. Yeah. So I I ended up applying for a job at Penguin House and I interviewed with somebody there. A friend of mine got me that interview. They were like, we really like you. We want to hire you. My boss is going to go on maternity leave. So I'll probably freelance until she like gets back and then we work some stuff out. So I was like, all right, wonderful. Told the Food Network, hey, I'm leaving. And they were like, okay, bye. Because I was so disappointed in the work I was doing for them. (laughs) And I know that there was a part of me that was, of course, already feeling self-conscious. This is my first job. I'm a junior art director. Right. First Um, job out of college. I mean, come on. First job out of college. Like, I freelance. I went from internship to freelancer at Spotco. But, like, they knew me as an intern. Hmm. And they liked me. They had this, like, there was this window of, or like a test experiment. I'm an, a test. (laughs) You know? Like a warm-up to see, all right, is she... But this was like, I got hired. I have to produce. I have to be great. I have to do these things. So I put a lot of that pressure on myself. And then, of course, listening to that horrible advice from the previous designer, they were like, all right, bye. It's like, okay, bye. (laughs) The culinary team, I was missing them already. They missed me. We got along really well. Went to Penguin House, where I knew I didn't want to be. But that's what you're supposed to do out of design school. I freelanced. And then my, my boss never came back from maternity leave. Oh, wow. So what was I doing? Yeah. Nothing. No one knew what to do with me. So it was like, literally, I was there for not that long. And I'm like, what am I doing? I really miss the Food Network. I really loved being there. So I asked them if I could come back. They're like, yeah, we've already hired someone, though. So maybe if we have, if we happen to do two shows at once, it's something we're thinking about, you know, we'll, 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 we'll have you come back. So I was like, awesome. What a great opportunity. And the first show back was like away from Chelsea Market, Tyler's Ultimate, which is a really really great show oh man you know what no I loved working on that show that was one of my favorite shows yeah because Tyler made great food and he was like you know a real chef doing incredible things and he didn't make the audience feel dumb like you can Mm. do this I believe in you yeah so I'm on set three days in advance because I'm given all the the recipes and the scripts and all that stuff and so they give me three days to work on relabeling everything so there's always three of everything so all the ingredients for for all of the episodes three each of like everything I knew I had nothing to lose my boss hated me and I knew that (laughs) because I asked him like did you check in previously I had so you know I've been here for uh, a month two months whatever like let me know what you think he goes actually I'm really disappointed this is not what I expected at all da 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 so of course I'm like okay he's like I guess we'll just see how this happens so in television people are just blunt they're just 
Yeah. So there's a part of me that appreciated that, but I needed something constructive. I wasn't getting it. Yeah. And they didn't know what to do with me. He didn't have time because again, he's this really powerful person. Coming back, I was like, I have nothing to lose. This is where you want to be. Right. What were you thinking before? This is where you give it your all. Yeah. So I gave it my all. And after the first day of shooting, my boss comes up to me and he says, Ronnie, I don't know what happened, but this is the best work I've seen you do. Oh, cool. Like, this is incredible. Where was this before or what happened? So it was a very backhanded compliment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was like, calm down. Yeah. (laughs) Calm down. So then after that, he loved me. He wow. was obsessed with me. He, for the first time, because Giada De Laurentiis, that is one of my dream shows to like design for, but she hated the Greeking before. Mm. She's like, it looks fake. Mm. I don't want that. So she'll just turn. I don't, I'm not going to grab a bottle. <laughs> I'm going to grab a bottle. My, <laughs> my, my toner behind me. She would, you know, they would turn the bottle so you couldn't see the label or they'd remove the label. Yeah. But he felt confident enough in the work that he was like, can you put together a proposal with some of your designs wow. and this and this and that? And I'm going to give you her mailing address. Oh my Once gosh. you mail it, I want you to burn this piece of paper and then eat the ashes. <laughs> like you can't. That's how much then he trusted me. And then oh. she she took it. So I just sent my design work over. They printed whatever they needed to. The PAs ended up putting the labels on. I just designed everything for that show. So going through all of this, it yes. sounds like the biggest lesson coming out of college for you was you're taking this advice because you're brand new and you have no one to look up to yet and so you think that this is just the normal corporate world and it sounds like Mm -hmm. you turned a corner and realizing maybe not to trust everyone and to go with your Mm -hmm. gut exactly totally you have to go with your gut your gut and I keep hearing this and like there was I don't know if it was a TED talk or something that I was I was binge watching a lot of TED Talks. (laughs) They say that your gut is the second brain. Mm -hmm. I like to think it's the first brain just because you have to feed it. If you're not feeding it the proper things and the the garden in your intestines, you know, they're the ones who are speaking to the brain. Mm -hmm. And your gut is always there first. That's what it feels like. It does not fail you. We choose not to listen to it because we think, again, it might be a woo-woo thing. Oh, it's my gut. Your gut can't think for you. Guess what? You got a lot of bajillion little guys <laughs> living in your body, in your gut, and they're telling you, do it, do it, do it. So, yeah. yeah. So then where did you, you're skyrocketing to success at Food Network. You're working on the projects that you want to work on. Mm-hmm. What was the turning point for you to become an entrepreneur then? I went to, there's two ways to answer this. I'm going to give you the first one's short. Okay. And then if you want to elaborate, we can elaborate because yeah. I yeah. can talk forever. <laughs> um, I went to Turkey. My cousin, who was in a or is part of a group called Jessica Six, and there was a Turkish artist who was obsessed with the band and obsessed with her, and was like, "You have to come to Turkey, and I'll put you up. You'll do a couple of shows for us at this like palace and whatever." Wow. Their photographer was gonna go, but their girlfriend didn't want them to go. So then my cousin said, "Ronnie, you know, you have a camera. You're an art. I see you. Do you want to come with us?" I grew up with parents that always said, and society at large, travel's a luxury. Travel's a luxury. Even in between the gigs at the Food Network, because I would work for a month, have off for a month, because I only worked when uh, we were filming. So I'd make a shit ton of money. And then in between, 
I'd freelance somewhere else, Hmm. make more money. And then I'd always spend it on food. But (laughs) that was the thing. And then she was inviting me to Turkey. And I was like, oh my gosh, I never thought about, I've gone to Mexico. I've gone to, you know, the Caribbean, but I've never gone over the Atlantic. I have off for that time because they were filming Iron Chef and I didn't need to be there for that. I was like, all right, let me see what the the flights look like. What are the prices like? Thinking they're going to be $1,200. It was $700, a round trip ticket to Istanbul from JFK. I'm like, done. I am going. And there was this layer of security because it was my cousin. It was the band. I know who they are, you know, and I get those bragging rights. Like I toured with my cousin. I I did this like, you know, crazy thing. And it wasn't that crazy. There was a fire in a suite. To this day, I still don't know what it is because she keeps saying, we'll have to talk about it. We'll have to talk about it. And I, it's been like well over 10 years and I still don't know what happened. That got me really excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can travel in between my gigs at the Food Network. I don't have to keep working. So then from Turkey, I actually changed my ticket and I went to Tuscany. Wow. And then from Tuscany to, because I was all around Tuscany and then I went to Barcelona. Then I was broke. <laughs> and then I had to have money wired to me because <laughs> no one taught me how to save money. Yeah. And money, the money story is a whole other conversation. Yeah. But then I went to New York. I'm like, I need more of that. And then went to India. So wow. within just four months, I went to India with my dad to see family. I hadn't been there since I was two and I'm going there at 26 years old. I knew that I loved travel and I needed to keep doing it. Eventually it got to a point where, no, I want to work for travel. Hmm. I want to be traveling constantly and I kept thinking about that I didn't know how it was going to happen again it's always like and now that I'm you know at this point it's like you don't worry about the how you have to keep going but working on that show I was like this isn't what I want to do Hmm. Mm -hmm. what was your vision like for your future I think what's interesting is your story keeps I keep going back to travel as a luxury and this story that you've been told to then mm-hmm. realizing that travel is feasible and travel totally. is available to you. So then how did you transition from quitting this job to what you do now? Well, when I had quit, I sent out a mass email to everyone I've ever emailed. Old colleagues, old hookups, <laughs> old bosses, like anyone who was in my contacts. Yeah. You know, you hit the letter A. And you see what names show up and you're like, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, this one, B, this one, this one, this one. And, uh, oh, even a landlord I had. Oh my God. And my, my email to them was, Hey, I've left the food network. If there's any opportunities that come up that you think of me, even if it's not design, I don't care. If you think of me, let Mm -hmm. me know. Yeah. Cause I was on that whole manifesting thing on a roll with something's meant to happen. It's meant to happen. Yeah. And I got two responses. One was you're insane. Yeah. Yeah, Shaming you for the decision. For letting go of something. Yes. Yeah. For following what your gut is telling you. (laughs) And I knew that that like people weren't going to understand and it was okay. I just felt it so deep down inside that I needed to move on. Yeah. And it wasn't even a design thing because, so the second response I got was my former professor's former student who was a designer in Bangladesh and she was looking for a freelancer who's based in the state. Wow. I showed them my portfolio. They loved me. 
And they were like, hey, you know what? Do you want to come out here instead? And I was like, yes. I focus on traveling for work. Now it's happening. Wow. This is incredible. The last place I ex- ever expected to be was Bangladesh. Yeah. So I was there on a three-month contract because that's how they test the waters. Then it would be a two-year contract. Three months was enough in Bangladesh. And three months at that job because I also realized I didn't want to design anymore. Hmm. That was it. Wow. I just want to travel. How do I do that? And then from there, it was looking at au pair work, language exchange because I didn't know how else to do it yeah so then so then where did you have the second epiphany of inspiring people to travel mm-hmm. it was through through my travels and meeting other backpackers and travelers who said mm-hmm. oh I wish I lived in New York New York is my dream come true mm-hmm. to live but it's so expensive and I'm like we're in London right now you're telling me you can't afford to visit New York you can go in the summer because all the college students are gone and you could do this. There's all this free stuff. And then when I came back, even before that, I had a little, uh, it's called Chima's NYC. Just letting, being a resource of like getting information from Time Out New York, from the skint and from, it was called Nonsense New York, myopenbar.com <laughs> and putting all the free and cheap things to do in New York City in one place. So no one had to go, you know, looking for it. And it was just fun to do, fun to update. After I got back from Korea, that's when I looked at Chima's NYC. I'm like, this needs to be something else. This needs to be bigger. I want to make money with this. How can I do that? Hmm. Because I was unemployed for eight months. Wow. Eight months. Because I was very cocky. I'm like, I'm so cultured hair flip. I don't know if this is being recorded. You're going to share the video, but I'm flipping my hair, everybody. I'm so cultured. I travel. I worked at the Food Network. I was an art director. I worked at Spaco. Who wouldn't hire me? I'm so desirable. No one hired me. And I spent eight months here. I'm in my my childhood home now, uh, visiting my parents. But I spent eight months sleeping on a cot behind my parents sofa my ego was torn apart my self-esteem was gone but I needed a way to get out of it and Chima's NYC was it Mm -hmm. that was a way to pull me out it evolved from there so I did get a design job eventually local NYC so then how did you build this brand for yourself that then instead of just focusing on local how did you get to doing international and really promoting that for people it was because of my own travels what i found myself doing when then i went off on my own the mentality was also take what you can get and i hated that because i was doing that and then i was also afraid to charge fees i charge them later all this stuff it was a lot of insecurity with it i was being invited to go on these fam trips familiarization trips they're very similar to media trips where we stay at a hotel we experience all different classes of service on the planes, eating at restaurants, it's still considered work. <laughs> oh, going to all these incredible places, but all I kept getting requests for were Venice, Florence, Rome. Maybe someone wants to throw in the Amalfi Coast. These are magnificent places, but I was getting so sick of planning those. And I'm like, oh, I'm being invited to go to Switzerland. When is someone gonna ask me for Switzerland? That was such an enchanting experience. Someone fucking asked me to go to Switzerland. (laughs) Let me send you to Switzerland or South Africa. And I just kept being Venice, Florence, Rome, Paris. That's it. So then at some point I'm like, okay, I also miss being at the Food Network because there I learned how to eat. I used to ask for my meat well done so well done it's almost burnt and that's because my mom so puerto ricans don't like their food undercooked my mom's puerto rican you give them al dente they're like this is 
what is this? This is not cooked. I paid for something cooked. What is this? They don't like anything raw, nothing pink. Everything's really cooked thoroughly. So that's what I grew up with. At the Food Network, when I asked during, because again, I'm part of the culinary team, kind of, we'd have lunch, family meal, somebody's making lamb. I was like, oh, can I have mine well done? And it was like, you know, a glass broke, you hear a scream, <laughs> that whole thing. And they're like, no. I'm like, okay, but like, I don't want it bloody. They're like, you want it bloody. Please trust us. Hmm. Eat this. And if you don't like it, you can cook it yourself. <laughs> and I was like, all right, fine. And I ate lamb, pretty much rare. And it was the most delicious thing. It's like, oh my God. All these things, I also found out I was allergic to pumpkin seeds. <laughs> and Oh, no. I knew I was allergic to pumpkin seeds, but it was mole sauce. I, I didn't know that I couldn't eat that. But you know how I have the recipes? Now I'm off on a tangent. You have the recipes. I, yeah. I said that. I said that. I have all the recipes, all the ingredients. I'm designing the labels for everything. Right. I labeled the pumpkin seeds. I'm like, great. I won't eat that mole. <laughs> Lunchtime comes. Guess who ate that mole? Oh, my God. Because I eat first and ask questions later. Oh, my God. So because of that, this didn't happen to me, but it was described to me, Ronnie, if you don't get an EpiPen, I'm going to have to turn a Bic pen into a trachea. Oh, my God. And you don't want that. So not only did I learn that you eat lamb yeah. rare, duck rare, pumpkin seeds are in uh, mole, but I can make a trachea now out of a Bic pen. Yeah. It was such an educational experience. <laughs> and I wanted that again. And I miss working with chefs. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to focus on culinary travel. Hmm. That's it. Everyone says you have to have a niche. I went super fucking niche where it was culinary in South Korea. Yeah. Again, that's where I lived. I loved it. I want to show people South Korea, but nobody was asking for it. And then I attracted people who wanted to stay in five-star hotels and then still do little small group food tours during the yeah. day because they're a solo traveler and they still want to connect with some people. Some people wanted private food tours. That was totally possible. Yeah. So culinary had to be my focus. Yeah. And then I still wasn't, I still wasn't planning Switzerland, South Africa, South Korea, but I was doing culinary. And that's where the small group trips came into play because I was already going on these small group trips with other travel advisors. I saw how they were planned. And then I'm looking at other clients who wanted to go on group trips, but the group trips that they were always going on and they went on group trips because they didn't like traveling alone, but everybody was which didn't bother them, but they wanted to like party at night. They were always like 60 and older. There would be like, it would be like a bus of 30 people. Hmm. So then I finally found her something through Intrepid. Intrepid's awesome. I don't mind promoting them because they're, they're incredible. She went on an Intrepid trip and it was the first time she was with people around her own age, uh, but she also wanted to be, have her own room. She had to pay a single supplement. So great. Now she doesn't, now she doesn't have money for this other thing she wanted to do. With these small group trips, I'm like, I'll just design them like fam trip. Everyone gets their own room. Everything is included as much as I can do, whatever I can account for. Right. is included. I'm vetting everybody. So you know who you're going with, but there's no level of discrimination except for picky eaters. I don't take picky eaters. <laughs> and if you're a picky eater, you're allowed to be. Yeah. But I don't want to work with you. I vet everybody. Now you're not. Oh, so again, everyone's different ages, different ethnicities, their gender ranges, sexuality. I don't care as long as you're down for stuffing your face full of dumplings. Yeah. With other people who get you, who understand you want to go to Gaziantep, Turkey for the world's best kebab, and that's it. 
I understand you. These people understand you. I really wanted to design trips that first off would make me happy because I'm designing them. I'm calling the shots. I'm going on the trip. So I'm traveling with other amazing human beings and I play the role of mama bear. I want to take care of everyone. So it fills every desire that I have that I want to offer to people too. offer to the travelers and offer myself in the sense of uh, fulfillment. And how do you feel like this journey has brought you to this place now where you really feel like you're doing what you want to be doing? Do you feel like this is your calling? Yeah, totally. This is definitely my calling because my mission, I'm getting emotional. (laughs) This planet is for everyone. This is our home. You have the right to see it. This is where you came from. Go fucking see it. Go see every corner of it. Go meet the people. I also don't judge anyone who, if they don't want to go on a solo adventure through Mongolia, but they, they're they getting out of their comfort zone by going to an all-inclusive resort in the Dominican Republic. You're getting out of your comfort zone. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for getting on a plane, having your passport, getting that first stamp and going somewhere different because mm-hmm. that's a huge deal for a lot of people. So I don't, I don't judge anyone who cruises <laughs> different story. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's such a, there's a whole political thing with cruises. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't book those because I love the planet and I love humans. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't do those, but if you want to go to an all inclusive in the Dominican Republic or Jamaica, and it's your first time, I will support you. I will help you. Love it. What advice Mm -hmm. would you give to entrepreneurs who maybe want to take more of an unconventional path like you have? Mm. (sighs) To just, you have to trust yourself. You have to. Too often we, it's the outside voices that we will believe and listen to more than that inner voice. Your gut, your body is not going to fail you. If your gut told you to go to start a business where you sell dead leaves, it doesn't work. That's okay. Because you had the courage and the confidence and you listened to your body still to do this thing. So it's not a failure. In my eyes, it's not a failure. Yes, there's failures, but they're all, you know, they're all blessings. They're all something that was like, okay, this didn't work out and that's okay. Now I know that that's not the thing for me. What's the next thing? And just following that intuition. Trust yourself. Yes. Trust yourself. So like, what if someone, what, what advice would you give to someone who maybe doesn't know what they want to do? Is it Ooh. just following your gut every single moment you have this like gut instinct or what is it? Oh, good question. This one goes out to my business coach, coach Jesse Johnson coaching. She said, if, if you don't know what you want and everyone says, don't focus on what you don't want, what you don't want, but sometimes you need to know, just make a list of your deal breakers. <laughs> There's nothing for you. I have nothing for you. And then they're disappointed. So people who give me enough time to plan, someone who respects me and my time. Love it. Where do you see your business headed in the future? It's an empire. It's a travel empire. I've even already designed, talk about manifesting. I've already designed my benefits for my future employees. And women get paid maternity. There's paternity leave too for the same amount of time as the, you know, the person who gave birth, I should say. The human who gives birth. Yeah, I want this to be, I want to hit all levels of travel. Uh, Support those who have 
really tight budgets and also be able to support those who have like an infinite <laughs> an infinite budget because again travel is a right a human right and it's a form of mental health too yeah so once you get away you learn a lot about yourself so i want i want this to be accessible to everyone and not just the few I love that. What is one place that you always recommend that people see? Like if you had to say Shit. there's one place that you constantly yeah. find yourself gravitating toward with, with your clients, what is that place? Okay. South Africa. Okay. Because I have never been an animal person. Like I don't want to hurt them. I don't want them to go extinct. I don't want, you know, I don't want to watch, I don't want to hunt, but I like eating them and I didn't care if I saw them. I went on safari and saw 28 elephants, including one baby elephant that was a year old. It had a tantrum and our guide mapped out what was happening. It fell to the ground. It's like, didn't want to walk anymore. It's flailing its arms. And then the mother, we believe it was the mother, smacked the baby with its trunk on the head and then kept walking. And then the baby got up and started walking. Oh my gosh. What would you say to people who feel like they can't afford to travel? You can, you can, your most, your, your biggest cost is going to be air right now. Like I just saw flights to round trip to Venice because I really want to get to Italy. So air is the most expensive. Yes. Air is going to be the most expensive. So Venice was $545 round trip. Round trip. Yeah. From SFO. Wow. Actually that's not bad. From, from SFO. I like to use Skyscanner. Right. To look up air, not to book. Okay. If you're not going to use a travel advisor like me or someone else, you book direct with the airline. Because if you book through Expedia, you book through Orbitz, you book through Skyscanner, you're not guaranteed. You're not protected. It's a, it's a weird third party. I'm a third party, but I have sales reps that talk to me on a constant basis who come to my office, who send me places. Like they know me. I have a relationship. So I can just pick up the phone and be like, hey, Waldo, or hey, Linda, this is what happened. Can you help me with this? Like, yeah, no problem. We fixed it already. Oh, that's awesome. Before you even said anything, we, we saw their name we fixed it we saw That's the problem great. work either with a travel advisor or book direct with the airline and then street food is just delicious everywhere you don't always have to eat at a restaurant yes it is affordable just it's the air and if yeah. you get your air earlier then you have time to save up for everything else totally i love mm -hmm. it okay so where can people find you yes they can find me at actually chima's travel everything <laughs> Okay, perfect. Uh, so that's C-H-E-E-M-A-S, travel. That's on Instagram. I don't really use Facebook. I Twitter annoys me, but Instagram <laughs> is a really good place. I also update a lot there about okay. what's happening around the world, especially now with, you know, borders opening up. And also my newsletter. That's where you get a lot of insider information and kind of the first look. Some experiences or some specials or some things that we're offering or through our preferred partners, but it's cool. usually a lot of travel stories. So the newsletter Fine. is really great. And so is uh, the Instagram feed. And of course the website. Love it. All right. Thank yes. you. This was amazing. Thank you so much, Sam. Okay. I hope you guys loved today's episode. Truly an episode unlike anything I've ever recorded before. So much fun and just such a fascinating life story to hear. So if you love today's episode, definitely let me know. Always love hearing that. And once again, last time for a call to action. If you have some really compelling topics or things that you want to hear about, maybe you want to listen to more marketing conversations. Maybe you want to listen to more founder conversations. Maybe you have a founder that's perfect for the pod. 
let me know. I would love for you to send me an email directly and we'll include that in the show notes. But I just love hearing from you guys. It really genuinely makes my day and it always makes me feel like I can help deliver on the content that you guys want to listen to. So thank you so much for listening. It makes me so happy and I will catch you guys in next week's episode. Bye. Bye.